You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. What's up, everybody? How's it going? I'm here. I'm in America. I'm on the Hell Over North America tour, the Blast Beat Party. The first day of the tour was last night in Detroit. Tonight I am in Chicago. We just got picked up a few days ago in Montreal. We made our way to Detroit. Uh, this time around we're traveling in a bandwagon. I am in the bandwagon right now, heading to the gig, standing in the back of the bandwagon in the shower, so I apologize if there's any strange noises. Very excited about this tour. It's going to be amazing. Uh, you got to get your tickets. I got my ticket links uh, in the description on our website. Check it all out on www.cryptopsy.ca. Uh, my beer of the week and my pairing of the week are hand in hand once again. Uh, this week, I would like to pair Microbrasserie Riverbrand from Alma, Quebec's 100% Brett IPA with Distance Over Time, the newest Dream Theater album. Why am I putting them together? They're both extremely complex. They're both uh, extremely well thought out, calculated, and they are both absolutely amazing. Hands down, the best Dream Theater album in a long time, probably for me since Train of Thought. Uh, I am stoked that they're back. I really, really, really enjoy the new album. The sound, uh, the, the production of it is amazing. Uh, hand in hand with the beer. The production of this beer is amazing. It is just an extremely drinkable beer. It's a delicious IPA with 100% Brett yeast which has been put into it. And it is uh, very complex. It, it, it has uh, subtle notes of uh, tropical fruit, but it is also very dry because of the, the bread approach of the beer. It is delicious. amazing. Today on the podcast, I have Branislav Panic, the guitarist singer of the band Bane. Check it all out. This is Vox and Hops, episode number 25. I warn you, what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed. What's up, everybody? Matt here with Branislav Benic. And you are the vocalist, guitarist of the band Bane. That's Open right. brackets, Serbia, close brackets. <laughs> <laughs> Good observation, I like that. Um, what's up, dude? Tell me a little about yourself. Uh, how are you doing? Uh, I know that you just played a little run of gigs. Uh, give, me a, give everyone a rundown of uh, who you are and uh, what you do. Sure. Well, like you said, my name is Branislav. I do sing and play guitar in the Black Death metal band called Bane. Um, originally from Serbia. And uh, yeah, then I moved to Montreal back in 2012. Um, obviously, we're skipping a lot of things here, but we can always go back if ever. And uh, yeah, like you said, just uh, currently doing as many shows as we can in order to promote the new album and uh, yeah just going as much as we can how were the gigs uh, you played in Montreal you played in Quebec City you played alongside Incandescence was it in both gigs uh, were Incandescence there actually Incandescence was only uh, at the Montreal gig okay um, unfortunately because they were probably busy with Phil with Beyond and all that um, but uh, regardless, it was my first time seeing them, even though I knew the band from the first album. It was very, very, very good stuff live. And uh, we played, however, with a band called Verglas Sangla uh, mm. on both dates as well. So, yeah, that was also a pretty, pretty cool band. And, uh, yeah, very cool. I mean, we've played Montreal a couple times before. Um, Quebec City, surprisingly, was the first time we played. Really? Yeah. Especially for, for Black and Death. They're, they're, they have such like a, an appreciation for black metal, I find, Quebec City, whenever very I go true. through. Very true, yeah. Whereabouts was the gig located? Ah, uh, Lancy. Lancy okay. Spectacular. For people that don't know, Lancy is this 
classic small venue. Small, but like the perfect size for, you know, a, a decent fun gig. And they actually have good beer there. So I'm always happy when I play Lancy. Nice. And worst case, you know, it's, a, it's just a short skip and a hop over to Brasserie Nactem, which has a fantastic beer in Quebec City. Good stuff. You mentioned that you formed in Serbia. Yeah, that's correct. Um, can you tell me a little bit what it was like growing up in Serbia? Sure, sure. Well, just to get the story straight, so obviously I'm born in Serbia. Um, then in 94, um, my parents decided to come to Canada because of the complicated situation in the country. And uh, after all that was settled and uh, everything was back to normal, more or less, uh, then we came back. So basically, I've kind of had like a half and half, uh, you know, growing up here and there. Um, and um, growing up in Serbia, I mean, I don't know. It's kind of hard to, to describe uh, such a short time. I mean, it's kind of normal, but it's not. <laughs> um, obviously, you know, the financial situation is, is way harsher than anywhere in North America. So that was something that, you know, as kids, we'd kind of, you know, when we used to do like tape trading and, and ordering stuff, we would like, we didn't have internet or PayPal or any anything like that. We'd used to, you know, like send money in an envelope and send it to like vans and labels and wait for like months before, you know, the stuff would come back to you. And then, you know, the good old uh, trick where you would have like one, let's say like local store in your town and then you would buy an, an album based on the artwork because... Of course. Yeah. Because, <laughs> yeah, you would, you know, you wouldn't have like where to hear it or anything like that. So, um, yeah, that's a... It, it's a challenge, but, you know, you learn so much and it's just, it's such a learning experience. Obviously, like, a, it's fun to, you know, just peer to samples today and be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to buy this and I don't like this. Mm. But um, I guess it kind of, you know, it definitely widened my horizons on a lot of like Subgenres, so yeah, <laughs> that, that, that tickles a question that I want to ask you, which would be the most disappointing album you bought based upon a cover artwork oh. and the best surprise. Wow, that is, I mean, I gotta tell you right now, I have roughly like 4,000 CDs. Wow, so yeah, it's really, really hard to pinpoint like one. Um, I want to say there was a band called Disgrace that was. In like the the like the extreme metal section at that that store that no longer exists. Actually, maybe they still do, but they sell more merch nowadays than CDs. Which you know you it's, sort of have to do nowadays if you want to survive. Look at HMB, and that didn't even go very well for them. True, <laughs> true. Unfortunately, yeah. Um, but yeah, so there was this band called Disgrace. I remember like because it was like right like before or after Disgorge, and I was, I was like buying like a whole stack of CDs, and I remember Disgrace was so horrible. I can't even remember exactly how it sounded, but it wasn't even like metal. It was just like this really like off pitch kind of clean vocals and it was really really bad and, the, <laughs> and yeah I don't know I just completely regret buying that CD um, but, I hope it, the guys but are it had, listening it to had it. sick cover art of course of course yeah it was all like uh, ah dude anyway <laughs> um, and the best one oh that's that's a tough one man I uh, I mean you know it's you know black and death metal artworks are usually you know you kind of recognize them right away um, so the best one that I bought um, and I'll tell you what I'll have that running in the back of my head and if I think of something I'll let Perfect. you know you let on. me know later on yeah. sounds good where, when you moved to back to Canada in 1994 whereabouts in Canada did you settle uh, first we went to 
Ull, which is actually yeah. nowadays Getsno. Which is across from Ottawa. Yeah. Precisely. Yeah. Um, so that's where I did uh, some of the... Well, actually, I basically finished my primary, my elementary yeah. school there. Yeah. yeah. And uh, then I started high school. However, uh, that's when, you know, everything got back to normal. So my parents decided to to go back. Um, you mentioned tape trading and all that. Um, did you discover metal here in Canada or more over there more? Um, it, it's really funny that it happens right now that I'm saying this because uh, the, the first like original CD that I've gotten which got me into extreme metal was actually uh, None So Live from <laughs> Yeah, Yeah. Um, it was a friend of mine who was like I see like you have long hair and you, you listen to you know like uh, whatever was popular back in the day like corn and stuff like that and uh, and he was like listen to this like never mind the vocals at first I'm sure you'll get used to them later which obviously I did um, and I remember bringing the CD at home and I was just like flabbergasted my mind I literally exploded I had no idea you know you could play so fast and, mm-hmm. and so technical um, so that's kind of like the, the the first CD that really got me into death metal while you're in Get to Know though yes exactly okay, exactly okay yeah. so, so you got the bug here yeah and then we're addicted and did you bring it back oh yeah oh yeah definitely to Serbia and then like introduce some friends over there to it absolutely yeah I obviously like when I when I had the the, the Cryptopsy CD I got more and more interested so that's when I got a hold of Gore Guts mm-hmm. um, and uh, it's I mean it's so so my man's not necessarily only from from Quebec but in general um, I remember I had like a burn CD uh, a buddy of mine had made it for me there was uh, like Old Morbid Angel um, uh, Cannibal Corpse of course Deicide uh, a bunch of bands um, and yeah so that obviously like I said got me really interested in death metal so I, I with like a, a really big passion I, I came back to Serbia and uh, yeah just started you know talking to people about those bands and uh, learning about more bands after that and so on was there like a a metal scene in Serbia at that time you know what man there was but you know the country is so small and I actually come from a a, not even like the capital from a even smaller city Um, so the scene was not great there were a few local bands um fairly decent bands but none of them ever made it past like maybe like two or three you know demos and it it was a constant like you know you build something and then it it it, it dissolves and then you know over and over and over you, you mentioned that the, the finances are so difficult there there's no money to be made in metal especially starting out exactly so so it's very easy to just fall back into like not being in a band of course of course <laughs> well especially because like I, it must be i guess a little bit harder for people to to kind of understand this but like i for example didn't have a guitar amp until i was maybe like actually until uh stefan from obscura gave me his marshall when i was like 19 or 20 really yeah so like it's just you, 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 would, you would play through the pa uh well basically i would have like a really really like horrible like uh, five or ten watt like marshall combo and then for gigs uh, what we would do like when we would get two or three bands together we would rent the back line and then we would all play on the same back line and obviously you would have like a metal zone yeah, yeah and yeah just like stuff like that but you know you know you, you can't hold back ambition and you can't hold back uh, determination <laughs> very true yeah was it hard to find like-minded band members and create a band that you wanted to create when was, living in serbia yeah. absolutely absolutely man it was pretty difficult like when i came back i had already like i said like a, a very big uh, interest for music um obviously i wasn't that great of a guitar player but you know determination goes a long way um so yeah at first i i kind of you know tried to join a few local bands um and then 
this is actually the, the, the pre-Bane uh, era. Um, there was a, a friend of mine who said that he wanted to have like a like a black metal band. And, you know, when you say black metal, I first thought maybe something like Marduk or, you know, something like actual black metal. Ends up when I joined the band and recorded a demo, it was like a, I mean, like a darkened, like gothic, like mm-hmm. parts of black in Some, it. Somewhat Dimo Borgir, more inspired black metal. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, black metal is a very, as, as all metal terms tend to be very wide very vague yes and very vague and everyone draws their lines at their own interpretation of what the art is very true very true so yeah like i said i I had joined that band and obviously they were they were good buddies so i mean i i didn't mind you know playing the first few gigs but then when he showed me the, the the demos and the ideas for the next stuff i was like hey well actually i have something that i've written that i would like to you know you know contribute okay, exactly yeah. to contribute and then obviously as you would expect hey, yeah well we're not really looking to go that fast <laughs> and that brutal and whatever and that that little demo that i had made at home was actually what ended up becoming the first Spain demo which i had used to to find members later on really yeah it's funny how the world works, eh? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So eventually you did find people. Let's taste this beer. I, I snuck a sip as you were telling me some Absolutely. stuff. Absolutely. I was looking, I was like, oh yeah. man, I wouldn't need that sip so bad. <laughs> <laughs> so we're at Station Host, which is on Ontario Street here in Montreal, and it is brewed by... They, they, the, the beers that they label themselves as is Hoffenstark. Hoffenstark. And uh, I've heard good things about it. I've actually never been here, which uh, surprised me because when, when I searched it today and saw where it was, I was like, this is like in my hood about, you know, not not that far out. I was expecting it to be on the other side of the city. So we ordered a, a Hopfenstark, Hopfenstark beer and it's a Belgian style pale ale. 4.5% ABV and they call it the Seven Sisters Meriop. See what the suckers got. Cheers. Cheers to that. It's nice. It's very drinkable. It's um. A little more on the bitter side. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Uh, I think it could be a good summer beer. Oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. And then it's nice and hot out, unlike today in the wind. <laughs> <laughs> the Mar- March March is uh, kicking our ass here in Montreal. The color is nice. It's uh, like a dark hay color, let's say. It's uh, it's not, it's opaque, and uh, it's got a nice little head on it. It smells uh, fruity, but not tropical. I'm actually happy we landed on this beer as the first beer for today. It's good. It's it's. Um, I think it's yeah. It's very drinkable. Uh, I could uh, wake up with a headache tomorrow through that one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so once you did find like-minded band members, did you find them all in Serbia, or did you have to go outside of the? In the beginning, I managed to find uh, band members in Serbia. However, um, like I said, with the country being so small and, 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 you know, not too many people into black metal in general, especially then, um, eventually I had band members from Bosnia, from Germany, from Czech Republic, from Bulgaria even. Um, it, it, I mean, most of that came because we were touring. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I you know, I, I tried to keep it as local for as long as as much as I could, but you know yourself man it, it's so hard to find like-minded musicians so and not only like-minded because you can find like-minded people but they can't actually pull it off amen to that because <laughs> you can be like yeah i want to do that but they they suck or they, they don't suck but they just don't have the chops oh absolutely or the commitment to put in the hours to get those chops it's true it's yeah. true yeah the, the commitment is, is a huge issue i find in general even after 
you know so many years of of, of being you know in involved in bands and stuff like that it's just a uh, it's like like you said man it's like a lot of people want to or have the idea that they would like to do it but then when the time comes and you look at you know the hours that you have to put in and the sacrifices you know whether financial or emotional or whatever mm-hmm. it's just so many of them just fall off it's it's crazy and then you get to a certain point too when you're like i had a hard time like adjusting to this at first when you're not brothers and best friends first it ends up becoming like a not business but a mutual arrangement between people that are accomplishing goals together exactly and that brotherhood is not necessarily the primary thing anymore that time i remember having to you know let go one of my good friends from a band because the band needed it and that was like a big moment yeah hard on me personally but good for my musical career self of course <laughs> of course yeah I've, I've had quite a quite a similar experience actually um i i still talk with the with the guy who was actually on our first record and everything but it's it's like you said man it's just it it comes to a certain point where you know what the goals and the you know the idea behind everything that you have becomes more important than just the sole good time and the brotherhood so yeah it was uh it was definitely hard for me just like i'm assuming it was for you to to do that the first couple times but i don't know I don't, I don't want to like sound super bad, but at this point, I had like over twenty band members. That's, so. that's nothing. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I've definitely become. Uh, I've I've developed this certain way of saying that to people. Hey, man, you know what? You're really cool and all, but it's just not going to work out. Yeah, you sort of have to get the, the tack to where they eventually quit. See, there you go. That's that's the secret way. You know what's up. That's the secret way. <laughs> um, let's talk about beer. Uh, when did you start drinking beer? Do you remember your first experience with alcohol? Uh, always a good question. Um, it was beer. It was actually just when I came back to Serbia, actually. So I was 14. And um, in general, you'd always kind of had two or maybe three at times, like main beers. And not really, at least where the time where I'm from. And not really anything other than that, because obviously, like for for the stuff that was uh, imported, we could never afford that kind of stuff. Um, so we had uh, one beer, uh, love, which is lion, one yellen, which is deer, and then occasionally we would have a uh, dark beer from Cernogoda, which used to be a part of Serbia. Um, and like I said, since I don't really like dark beers in general, um, for me it was either Love or Yellen. Love, you would have a, a really, really horrific headache the next morning from it, <laughs> um, as opposed to Yellen, which was like a little bit like softer and nicer. Obviously, both of them were uh, 5% and just blonde. Um, they, they're pretty cheap don't really have a great taste but you know what man when you're 14 you kind of don't really care too much about that <laughs> my first beers were uh, something called uh, tournade which was horrible like lemon flavored oh. beers wow <laughs> it was horrible <laughs> <laughs> nice <laughs> thank god it's gone <laughs> i guess i guess it kind of goes the name goes with the i'm assuming the the the, the headache you must have the next day right? yes yes especially when there i drink go. so many of them so quickly <laughs> oh man of course so are you a craft beer enthusiast actually not that much um i'll admit when I came back to Montreal in 2012, um, my guitar player, Max, who I had mentioned to you earlier, uh, is is a real wizard for like craft beer and stuff like that. Um, he made me try so many of them. And the thing is, I just find beers who that are uh, heavier 
or that have a just a, a, a very like heavy scent i mean I'm, I'm a small dude right so like i can't have like enormous quantities and i typically would choose let's say like scotch or whiskey or bourbon or you know stuff like that before a beer because the first and main problem is that i would have to go to the bathroom like every five minutes and i i just kind of get like kind of sloppy and slow after maybe the third one and you know i see some buddies of mine that, that they can drink like seven or eight so i get like oh dude like that's so manly dude <laughs> <laughs> it's not manly it's their, their liver is dying <laughs> uh, you mentioned that you toured um, a lot in europe you've toured the states you have a tour coming up in the states uh, what would be your dream tour lineup for bane whoa uh that is such an awesome question um, okay, how many bands are allowed on the bill? I would say Bane with two others is a, two a typical others? good one. Wow. Okay. Um, you know what? I would I would say I'd love to open for Dark Funeral. Mm. That would be definitely a, a band that I would absolutely love to, to tour with and to listen to every night. And um, the second band, oh man, so many of them. I want to say... I'm going to say Nagelfar from Sweden as well. Yeah, yeah I know the name. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, th- those two bands, I think, the, you know, genre-wise, I think we would all fit kind of nicely. And uh, it's two bands, actually, that I really love that I haven't seen neither of them live yet. Okay. Yeah. So that's that's definitely one of the reasons why I'd love to do that so much. And uh, territory-wise, I mean, yeah, we've toured Europe many, many times. We've toured the U.S. last year for the first time. We're going back again this year. Um, so having that in mind, I would say that I would love to go to South America with those two bands. I think that would be pretty cool. Yeah, yeah they have a strong passion for uh, black metal down in South America. So I've heard. They're very intense, yeah. Nice. <laughs> we did, we did Watain Suffocation Cryptopsy down there. Oh, man, that's was, a killer line. That was really insane. Wow. What would be your ultimate horror tour story? Ultimate horror tour story? The worst thing that's happened to you on the road. Okay, so... The first time we ever got on an actual tour was late 2010, just after we had released our first album. Um, we had a... a oh, that, that, oh, God. Okay, yeah, this is, this is actually... The more I remember, the more it gets bad. So that tour originally was scheduled to be like a two-week tour. Um, about, I want to say, two or three weeks before the tour, uh, the band, the French band... I'm not gonna name them right now. I don't even think they exist anymore. It doesn't even matter. I mean, I don't, I don't like I hate them or anything like that. It's just stuff happens. It's kind of so nice. <laughs> <laughs> it's just you know going back to what we said with commitments and stuff like that. I you know they just kind of dropped out of the tour because they just figured it it wasn't gonna be like feasible or whatever. It's not fin- financially viable, I imagine. Exactly. Yeah. So we had to first off cancel uh, the the France dates which uh, I was obviously sad but kind of happy because with my another band before that, I had actually driven from Serbia to France for like 36 hours and it was horrible. Anyway, um, so we had to cancel the, 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 the dates in France and then we did um, what was scheduled to be, I believe, there was uh, Czech Republic, uh, Poland, and there was uh, Germany before that. Yeah, so Germany, Czech Republic, and Poland. So Germany went fine. Czech Republic awesome as always and then we arrived to Poland um, the, the promoter uh, Marius he was kind of like a guy that you know liked to drink a lot 
<laughs> so obviously, I mean, it, it's cool. I, I get it. I mean, it's it's all fun. It's all metal and it's all. But, you know, I kind of still like to stay at least before the, the, the stuff finishes. You know what I mean? At least I kinda, the business side of it. Exactly. Yeah. So the first show went okay, all things considered. And then we arrived at the second show. Amadeus oh, was traveling with you. Um, actually, no, no. He had his own car. Okay. Yeah. But he was the promoter for the, all the Polish dates. Got it. Yeah. And um, so we arrived to the second date where it was... And just that for the record, I have played everywhere and everywhere in the sense that, like, I've played, like, garages, like, as quote-unquote gigs. And I've played, like, you know, like, really, really, like, no stage, like, uh, no no monitors, no nothing kind of gigs. And I, I, I love it all. I really love it all. But... That specific place in Poland, the second day where we arrived, it was an abandoned two-floored house with cracks in the ceiling, with spider-like webs everywhere, with only one, uh, two, like, socket plug in the (laughs) wall. It was, like... Just like literally from a horror story, like like a horror movie, like you wouldn't believe. And it was October or November, so it's it was cold. cold, and there was no heating, and there was nothing. And like you know, Polish people in general don't really tend to to like kind of force themselves to speak English to you. They're like super like just Polish. Luckily, you know, Serbian, I kind of understand maybe like ten fifteen percent. So we kind of, you know, got, uh, uh, you know, we got everything kind of, kind of settled. And then anyway, it's a small tour, so we didn't have the trailer. We only had a van and we only had like half of the gear. After the Polish support bands had finished playing their set, they all packed and like started going home. And I, I was trying to tell the promoter like, man, like we need some part of the drums. We need like a cabinet or something. And he was all like going left and right and all sloppy and starting telling to the Polish guys like, can you please leave your gear and whatever. By the time they had reset, like like re uh, like staged their gear, like half the people were gone because obviously it was a weekday and it was cold and everybody was tired. And that was like the the actually first time I had ever come to the spot and t- told you know what man i'm canceling this show really like, i literally like the first and only time i had ever done that because like i said i love it all and i would play anywhere and everywhere for whatever but that was that was just too much i just couldn't take that anymore and i was like marius you know what man like I, I i can't like i can't i can't i'm gonna get electrocuted like the, the with the wobbly like lack of electricity and like <laughs> and it was just horrible and he starts yelling at me and he was like i've never had a band with such an ego cancel on us. <laughs> like wow dude like that is just that is just in, impossible Unbelievable. Yeah. So anyway, I mean, it it I, it got kind of heated up, and then before I had just left, I I still went in there and I shook his hand and I told him, you know what, man, it didn't work out. It's fine. Doesn't matter. Like I'm I'm you know like I I wish you you know the best. And anyway, it it was just a really like it was a really really bad experience, and I've I've never since knock on wood had anything as bad in my life than that time in Poland. Well, this is a you know twenty plus episodes that's up there. Nice. And, and the worst gig I've ever heard of. Wow. Well, there you go, man. <laughs> you, you should you should have uh, like you know it, was, it would have been a shitty gig, but it would have been a great music video. Very true. Very true. <laughs> I wish I wish Chris Kells was there. He would have made the best. Yeah. Idea. Yeah. Shout out to Chris. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, when did you start screaming? You mentioned that you were playing guitar at first. When did you discover you could scream? Was it at the same time? What what interest came first? Um. So yeah, I definitely gravitated towards guitar. Um. Because it was just uh. 
you know, a lot of kids, you know, grab guitars and just kind of like more or less easy to get a hold of. So that's kind of what I, I figured it would be. Less. Original wanted to play drums, of course, being in an apartment all the time, my parents were like, haha, no. So then obviously I took a guitar and it all started from there. Screaming, um, the first time that I ever started doing it was actually when there was nobody else who could do it. Definitely not the first time that's been told to me. There you go. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, as I mentioned before, so the, the first album, I, I never wanted to be the, the, the singer, at least never the main singer in Bane. But with all the lineup problems all the time, I just figured it would be best if I just took that responsibility on top well, it's, of it. It's two members. In one. Yeah. Exactly. There you go. You know you're not going anywhere. So yeah. <laughs> That's it. That's it. So yeah, it all kind of started from there, honestly. I I, uh, I never really had a, like a particular interest. Um, although nowadays I really regret never taking any vocal lessons because I also listen to a lot of music other than metal or even metal that has clean vocals, which I would love to do, which I can't. Um, but yeah, I never particularly, especially at a young age, had an interest in like solely vocals. So it always kind of just went along with the music. And who are your early inspirations on guitar and on vocals if um, you had to name like a few of course of course well guitar wise obviously i would always have to say dimebag from pantera first and foremost um just his like razor blade like wall crushing guitar tone is is and it's not so much the technique even though he's he was like a ridiculously insane guitar player i've, I've always gravitated more towards uh like the actual sound the tone the groove rather than the, the technique um, so I would definitely have to name him for sure. Other than that, um, oh wow, so many. Um, okay, I'm gonna jump quickly on vocals, and I, if I if yeah, no I, problem. Okay, um, vocals. I'd have to say Lord Worm. When I heard the stuff from Anunso Vile, and even actually Blasphemy Made Flesh with that like fucking like tw- am I allowed to swear? Sorry. Oh, you can say whatever the fuck you want. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Okay, so um, it, there was like this like. 26 second scream in um, open face surgery. surgery yeah which I used to play with yeah. my old death metal band yeah back in you've the you've nailed it uh, I mean I, I the scream I, no, no 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 oh no. hell no I just yeah. played guitar back no. then that I've, was... done, I've done it a few times but I've never done it live I could do it in the jam room nice yeah. nice um, so yeah Lord of One was definitely a really really big influence vocal wise um, I mean it, it's I don't know. I don't know. So many bands. I could I could like name all of them, but I I want to try to kind of stay specific. So mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> the secret to the twenty seven twenty nine second long scream is very quiet. That's the secret. Yeah. You know what? And just like a minimal minimal amount of air. Yeah. Released. Yeah. It makes sense. It makes and that's, sense. That's the that's my trick. Whenever I, not that I can do it live, and I guess live I just get too. I'm sure I kind of have to get more focused on it there. I'm like too in the moment and huffing from headbanging and stuff there. I'd have to really focus and get practice on that. Of course, of course. I'm sure you could do it, but yeah, I obviously naturally I would assume that it would have to be quieter and you'd have to really have like a proper like you know to, to be breathing in properly so that you can kind of like the diaphragm in the perfect place. Yeah. yeah. That's my next question. Is that can you describe your Vocal technique to me. Wow. That is probably one of the rare questions I couldn't really answer. I got to be honest with you, man. I, I don't have a technique per se. I just kind of... When I when I write a song, I, I depending on the riff, I would kind of say to myself, like, I want this part to sound more like Nurgle from Behemoth or more like, I don't know... Um, I don't know, like kind of like uh, at the gates, kind of sounding like harsher, like 
high mid pitch scream or something like that. Um, I have. If, if I do have a technique, I have no idea that I have a technique. <laughs> I know that I'm also very careful with not using my voice because I believe that I use a lot of the, like, a lot of throat, which is probably not a good thing in the long run. Um, so I'm super careful after the shows. Like, I try to not yell. I try to take, like, a, like a little bit of honey. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm kind of careful with that stuff because I, I, I don't really feel... Because you know some people... Such as yourself, but like other other like more like a like guttural like brutal death metal vocalists, they have like this insane like super like powerful deep growl. I don't have that. I have more of like a a mid ranged kind of like projectile kind of bark bark. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah, it's important to to have a strong foundation for the death metal stuff. But how do you feel? After gigs, are you tired? Like on tour, have you lost your voice before? Luckily, knock on wood, I haven't lost my voice. I've I've noticed certain mornings when, example, we'd have like eight, ten hour drives and we'd wake up super early and I had slept in a cold environment the night before, I would feel my, my voice be a little bit squeaky. So I just not I don't I don't talk all day and I have like a like a hot coffee combined with warm water. And I just kind of trying to, you know, to, to be like super calm until the, the show. I've never had like disaster, like that I like I, my voice cracks, like, you know, in, in the middle of a show or something like that. You, you would be the only one that would notice. <laughs> True. <laughs> we, we would be devastated. Same thing if it happened to me, I'd be devastated, but no yeah. one would actually really notice. I guess you're There's right. so I much going right. on in, in our style of music that uh, uh, you're saying very good, very good things for screamers at home, learning to scream at home. He's saying wonderful things after a show shut up (laughs) as fun as it is to go to the bar after the gig and keep drinking with the fans and like shouting over especially if you're not headlining and you're shouting over the band that's playing on stage after you or if you're at the merch table you got to be really really careful about situations like that that's it yeah and if your voice is tired you, you mentioned just not talking taking it easy sleeping as much as you can which is hard on tour depends on the the living situations that you have and even then it's never perfect no exactly exactly like you said yeah with the merch table it's also because like you know i guess singers are by default kind of expected to be at the merch table (laughs) so um yeah not not that i consider myself a singer like i said i'm just a guy who had to sing because nobody else was there to do it but um yeah, like I, I really try to like get get close to the person and just kind of like not yell. I just got like like a like spitty, spitty warm breath in his ear. <laughs> <laughs> you know it. You know it. <laughs> I do a lot of hand sig- signature uh, signaling too. Uh, yeah, large mediums and yeah, yeah. good stuff. Good yeah. stuff. <laughs> uh, when you named your band's name. You must get this asked question asked all the time too. Why did you stick with the name Bane? When did you know that there was a band named Bane in the hardcore scene that existed? That's a ratherly large band. Yeah, well, you know what, man. Um, I, I've no, I, I've, I've discovered the Boston uh, Bane. Yeah. Obviously, after I had named my own band Bane, because as much as they're big and super well respected in Eastern Europe, it, it's, it's. I mean, I, I, I mean. I just don't, I never remember people telling me like, hey, there is another band called Bane. And like I said, with me not having internet at the time, Absolutely, I, yeah, I, yeah. I couldn't have known or at least didn't come across uh, the other band Bane. Um, so yeah, I mean, obviously I, um, and it's funny that you mentioned that because I, I was, um, 
talking to a, a label just before uh, who we didn't end up signing with um, when I was sending the the, the, the the advanced copies for the new album and he was like yeah he's like you should maybe consider changing because there's that other band who was kind of bigger than you I'm like I know dude but like I obviously <laughs> didn't tell him the whole story but it was funny um, but yeah anyway so Bottom line, I did not know of the Boston-based hardcore band Bane before I had named my, my band Bane. And the reason why I had given that name is because one of my all-time favorite albums is Storm of the Lights Bane by Dissection. Mm-hmm. And, and I just found that Bane is like not like an, an everyday word you would use. And the meaning was kind of exactly what I wanted it to be. So it was a kind of an obvious choice. And, and to be a dick and... You never consider changing a band's name? <laughs> <laughs> well, not really, man. I mean, like, if, if we had, like, maybe one album, I would be, like, probably, ah, fuck it. Like, yeah, it doesn't matter. Um, but, you know, like, we're, we're three records in. Again, I, I know it's not a whole lot because some bands, like, over have, like, 19 records. But um, I, I just think that, for and for what it's worth for the record, um, in 2015, the other band split. They don't no. exist anymore. So okay, there you go. So yeah, yeah. see, I didn't know that. Yeah. There you go. So technically, we are the only slash the true Bane at this point. <laughs> <laughs> uh, why did you guys did you relocate back to Montreal? Very cool question. Um, honestly, Matt, I just wanted um, more access to the North American music scene. Um, not specifically and only maybe like to to, to metal. But where I come from, as, as I've said so many times in this during this interview, it's it's really hard. Like it just you know the, the lack of gear, the lack of people, and everything going on over there. I just figured you know I was lucky enough that my pa- my parents had acquired you know Canadian passports for the family. Uh, while oh, okay, they were here. so that that was my is leading into my exactly that answers my next question. Yeah, yeah. like if I had in a perfect world, I would have probably went to the U.S. Um, not that I dislike Canada but it, you know I mean the working papers which is what I was going to ask you why didn't she move to New York why didn't she move to LA or Florida for the yeah. death metal um, for the working papers are so expensive and you can just tour all the time and hop onto big tours and exactly exactly another yeah. side question would be why not Germany you mentioned the dude from Obscura earlier who you're both friends with there's a huge metal scene in Germany. There's more access to good equipment. and True. In Germany, I've thought about it as well. However, um, I I know only three languages, which is Serbian, English, and French. Okay. I figure that learning another language, it, it, it's going to, it's gonna, one and all, gonna, it, it would have been a, a slight or a medium setback for me. And, you know, the, I'm kind of like a, an, an, a person that uh, relies a lot of instinct and on, on a gut feeling. I just kind of didn't feel that it was worth it for me to like put everything on hold so I can you know get accustomed to and you know to, to a whole new environment because I've been in Germany before, but only like for touring and I spent maybe like a week there in a recording studio at some point um, at the at Stefan's house, uh, the old bass player from Necrophages. Oh, cool! Yeah, in Bavaria, yeah. So uh, yeah, anyway, like I, I like Germany. I just never really saw myself that I could really like develop like a like a life there other than music. Um, and you know, having been to Quebec before and being so close to the border, 
And the passports make perfect, passport perfect, that, perfect yeah, sense. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That already had. It was just kind of like a, uh, yeah. Were there like a bands from Montreal that you had become a fan of that you wanted to connect with? Can you name off some of those? You ask all the great questions, man. So um, I actually had um, wrote to Phil Boucher before he was in Beyond Creation because I saw some of his like really old, like old school, like drum videos on YouTube. Um, and when I was planning, you know, to, to move back to Canada, I had asked him if he wanted to drum. Obviously, if he was like super busy and all that. So no hard feelings, Phil. Um, great show. Yeah, shout, shout, yeah. <laughs> shout out to Phil. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so uh, he, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, at the time he was involved with First Fragment, which was another right. like yeah. mind blowing, like crazy technical because I, I, I can play nowhere nearly as good as, as those guys. So that was always like super interesting for me. Um, and um yeah, so that was definitely one band that I, I remember, you know, that wasn't like super big at the time that I, I really liked a lot, um, that I tried to connect. And um, were there any other, probably, I would have to dig really Right Right deep. now, who is playing drums for you? I feel like it's... Le Fou. Le Fou did our last U.S. tour. Okay. Yes, who is by the way? Yes, the drummer of First, First Fragment, Fragment, which yeah. is the small world. There. Shout out to Le Fou. Absolutely. Great guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, he did a killer job at the at the, the last U.S. tour. Um, right now, I have a permanent drummer. Uh, his name is Kevin Lampron-Drolet. He is the drummer of a black metal band called Nalzer from Drummondville. Okay, yeah. Yeah, um, he's a very, very, very cool guy. Uh, very good drummer. And uh, we share a lot of the, the bands that we listen to. So it was just kind of like an instant fit. I had actually asked him last year he did play uh, a Toronto show when we opened for Insomnium last summer however he was going to France for his studies and whatnot so we kind of put everything on ice until we would rediscuss when he came back and luckily it all worked out so I'm really happy to have him in the team so so when you moved here it's just you moved here exactly not the whole band that relocated you relocated from Serbia and then found guys from here to continue Bane that's right that's right well, the other guys didn't have passports or the exactly, financial situation yeah. to, you know, to... And to the, visa, of, yeah, the visas would be ridiculous. And, yeah. yeah. Uh, what is it, the accomplishment that you're most proud of? Um, the band in general? Oh, wow. I mean, I, uh, I mean, we were a direct support for Malevolent Creation at some point, which is like one of my all-time favorite death metal bands. And that was like the lineup with Brett Hoffman in it. Rest in peace. Um, so that was uh, amazing. Like I had never thought back in the day that I would ever have the chance to, to you know to open for those guys. I really love that band so much. Um, there were obviously other cool bands that we had played with. Um, I, I'm obviously as you can tell I'm like a real metal fan nerd geek. So for me the whole point of being in the band is to see other bands and play with other bands. Um, so it, it would just be mostly you know uh, tours and, and shows that we played with other bands. Um, we didn't really have any like huge accomplishments per se, um, so it would definitely be just like the gigging. If you had one misstep that you could retake, what would that be? Wow, killer question. Um, you know what? I wish, I wish I had, I had gotten the no compromise mentality earlier. Mm-hmm. I wish I was able, as a younger uh, guy and a younger musician to sometimes take a step back and do something properly, like better, rather than kind of... I mean, obviously, 
it's not that I would necessarily take some things back because sometimes you just work with the best that you have. But I just know that there were some shows and some tours where just the lineup wasn't quite ready. But again, I have such a firm, you know, opinion on, on never canceling gigs unless you're like absolutely like ill, you know, God forbid, and, and you just cannot physically do the show. Or you might die in a Polish <laughs> cold <Yes. laughs> barn. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, I, get, I guess that would kind of be it. Um, I, I had just I, I wish I, I would have just be more focused on on quality and and be able to 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 not say it's fine even though in the back of my head I knew it was it you wasn't had this 100%. other voice yeah, yeah. exactly exactly no, no compromise that's right <laughs> <laughs> what is uh, the next big band in metal you know Metallica is going to be gone Slayer's going to be gone shortly who's going to be the next Big four, the next big band. Hmm. Very good. Very or like good a, like an up and coming band that you feel needs more. Yeah, more uh, recognition. Yeah. Um. Oh man. Oh man. You asked so many good questions. I wish I had some of the questions earlier so I could plan my <laughs> answers before that. The next big. I want to say, in terms of like extreme black, more death metal in this case. I really think that Black Dahlia Murder, I know they're big, but I really, really think that they will be one of the leading, like, death metal bands just because they have such a a nice attitude. Oh, yeah, they're nicest dudes, yeah. It's it's just unbelievable, man. Yeah, shout out to Trevor, yeah. Absolutely, shout out to Trevor, yeah, for sure. I hope you got this last CD that I sent you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I I think it's going to be very hard for them to top that last record. Dude. Wow, yes. I wouldn't yes. want to be in their shoes right now. Absolutely. I actually got the like insanely good looking like digipack with like all the the op- like the, the 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 folds and all that. It's fucking killer looking. Um but yeah, yeah, dude, the last record is just unbelievable, man. I'm actually super pissed that um when they did that those those select few dates when they played the whole record in its entirety, mm-hmm. there was nothing yeah. really nearby, yeah. so I couldn't take a look unfortunately. We're so stoked for them that they're their direct support from Mashuga. Yes. See but that's that's gonna, you know, put them in front of a crowd that might not have known them before and they're True. just gonna dominate yeah. it. Yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. yeah, dude. No, 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 hey, no questions asked. Yeah, yeah they won't they're, have they're, the whole light show situation, but they'll have like a show. Dude, honestly, man, like sometimes with all due respect, but sometimes I look at these bands that have like a million candles and a million backdrops and then and then okay, and then I remember a few months ago again seeing Immolation who came with no backdrop, no light show, four guys, no backing tracks, no keyboards, no nothing, and they said, "Hey Montreal, how's it going?" 1 2 3 4 and everybody just Exploded like it was just absolute like perfect chaos. It was unbelievable. Yeah, I'd love to tour with Immolation. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think it'd be perfect. <laughs> nice, absolutely. Same here. Same yeah. here for sure. Do Do you have anything else you want to add? You want to shout out? What's this tour coming up? Who are you going out with? Um. Yeah. Well, so we have a few dates. Uh, mostly headline dates, uh, which we never done before in the U.S. This March. Um. It. We were originally scheduled to play uh, a festival in Dallas, which ended up being canceled. But then, luckily, the people involved kind of made like a like a a larger bill um so they kind of kept everything together so we'll be doing that for a week 
um, starting next week. And then we will be supporting the Finnish band Horna in okay, cool. April, uh, all in the States as well. And then we will be heading out on a three-week tour in uh, May and June with uh, a really cool band from Wisconsin, which they also deserve some recognition. Um, I have to spell it out because I'm not even sure how you pronounce it. It's U-H-T-C-E-A-R-U. I wouldn't know how to pronounce it either. There you go. (laughs) Um, But super cool, like really cool, kind of like melodic at times a touch of prog like black death really just like perfectly blended elements everything it just works phenomenally um they will have a new album out uh for that tour so i'm really excited to hear that live as well as well as the record um so yeah that's gonna go on for may and june and then um we have some plans for canada in september and october but that's still far so we'll we'll just leave it at that for now (laughs) Well, I, I appreciate it for everyone uh, at home. Uh, Varenislav is actually the first person to have reached out to me wanting to be on Vox and Hops. So I thank you for that. Dude. It was a, an absolute I was going to do it no matter what. <laughs> Who, what the band. I was like, oh, no, he's a real band. This is good. Yeah. Awesome, <laughs> I was going to do it no matter what. So um, I really, really, really appreciate uh, you reaching out to me and suggesting Station Host. Uh, we're drinking a nice beer together. Uh, nice talking to you. And uh, cheers. Cheers to that, Matt. Thank you so much for having me. And I love your podcast, love your band. And you're a really, really nice guy in person. So that's definitely uh, definitely worth a mention. Cheers. Thank you so much. Cheers, man. Hey, boys and girls, Vox and Hops heads. Thank you so much for listening right to the end. Uh, super stoked uh, to have spoken to Branislav. As I mentioned uh, during the interview, that uh, he was the first person that reached out to me, contacted me personally to want to be a guest on the podcast. That was a, a special thing, and I absolutely was pleased and honored to oblige him and get together and have that conversation and share it with all of you. Very interesting dude. Great band. Uh, they're out on the road now. You guys should go catch them. As I mentioned, I'm on tour. Hell over North America. The Blast Beat Party. Aborted. Cryptopsy. Benighted. Hideous Divinity. Happening right now. Get your tickets. Come to a show. Come say hi to me. Uh, I don't know if you're aware of this, but uh, I have a contest going where if you contact the band and you book your slot for certain dates, you can see on the Cryptopsy Facebook page that uh, there's a list of dates which are available of the shows where this contest is available, and the contest is you bring me some great craft beer, I review it here on the podcast, and you get a free ticket to the show. So uh, check that out. Uh, as always, I appreciate everyone that's listening to the podcast. I appreciate uh, the, the kind words, the comments, uh, the sharing. Uh, there is no podcast without all of you. If you have any suggestions, hit me up at matt at voxandhops.com and uh, let me know uh, who I should interview, what beers I should be drinking, uh, what pubs I should be visiting in the States since I'm coming down. I'm down here right now. Uh, I appreciate all of you. I hope you have a great week. Hang out with your friends. Hang out with your family. Hang out with your loved ones and drink great craft beer. Cheers, Vox and Hopshead. Hey, this is Chris Swinney, formerly of the Ataris and currently host of That One Time on Tour, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Have you ever wondered what it's really like on the road? The highs can be euphoric, but the lows can be crushing. Join me every week as I chat with industry pros about what it's like living out their wildest dream and in some cases, their worst nightmare. Past guests of the show include members of NoFX, Pennywise, Bad Religion, and more. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com.